Blog Talk Radio. It's Wednesday afternoon and we're excited to be on the air. Your hosts for today's show are Robert Brining and Jack McEnroe. They will be taking your calls and speaking out on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Today, I have a special co-host. I have Dab Garner sitting in for Jack McEnroe today. Dab, how are you doing? Hello? Hello, this is Alina. Ah, Alina. Hi. I had had you calling in just a little bit early. I'm looking. My co-host hasn't called in yet, but Alina, you're our guest today, so you're already on the air, so welcome. Uh, Right. You are, I don't know. uh, Is this the right number, first of all? Yeah, Yeah, you got the right number. Hold on one second for me, okay? All right. Hey, Dab, how are you? Doing great. How about you, bud? Good, good. I had Alina call in a little bit early, so I put her on mute, so Alina can hear us, but I have her on mute for right now, just so she knows. Um, Dab, uh, thanks for filling in. Uh, I just <laughs> introduced you and went to Alina, so <laughs> but thanks for filling in today for Jack. Oh, anytime. I- I'm glad to help. I think it's wonderful what you're doing with the POSIM community and POSIM radio. It's It's amazing with the new technology today, how we can reach out to members of our community and also do HIV awareness, education, and prevention for those that aren't positive. Right, and that's, that kind of feeds into our, our guest today. She is um, not HIV positive, but, um, you know, one of the things that she talks about is that you don't have to be in positive for it to be a subject that you're interested in. Oh, exactly, and, and I think a lot of people forget that in the early days of HIV, it was mainly gay men and lesbians that took care of people dying of HIV. Um, most healthcare workers didn't want to touch us. Uh, funeral homes didn't want to bury us. And it was mainly gays and lesbians that rose to the challenge in the opening days. Right. Well, before we actually bring her on, I just want to talk a little bit about her. Um, Some people may not be familiar with her. I'm glad, Deb, you know her or you know about her, right? Right. I know about her. I haven't actually met her, but think the world of her work. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, For people who don't know, she is a freelance writer and photographer and author living in New York City area, and her works have appeared in publications like A&U, New York Blade, and Out in Jersey, and in the New York art galleries like Visual Aids, um, Postcards from the Edge, and the Leslie, I'm going to mess this up, Lohman Strike a Pose. Her own photography show is Backbone, hosted by 32 Jones Gallery in Jersey City, and her books include Journeys Through Darkness, a biography of an award-winning photographer left legally blinded by CMV and Backbone with a collection of her images celebrating queer courage the show with the same name. And let me tell you, Deb, you know, she sent me the book, and I'm the type of person who I can't read a book unless I'm really interested in it, and I feel I can relate to it. And I took her book with me on my trip to Florida because I went to Florida last week for my birthday. And I started reading it on the plane, and 
like I'm already on like chapter seven. I'm a slow reader, but I'm so interested in this book because it's just I like to read people's stories about how they deal with living with HIV and AIDS and, and their different obstacles they overcome and, and things of that nature. And it's written beautifully that even like on the back, there's a, a saying back here that it actually feels like you're standing beside the book subject, which the book is actually about. Um, Kurt Weston is his name. And, and he's um, the, the photographer that the pictures are actually, you know, who took the pictures that are in the book. Have you read this book or have you heard of her book? I, I've heard of her book. Um, I was hoping to get it before I had to head out of town last weekend after we had talked, but right. didn't. I was, you, you know how it is when you're trying to do 20 things, <laughs> trying to get ready for a trip, and I didn't make it by the bookstore to pick it up. Um, but I am looking forward to reading it. I'm getting ready to leave for Disney, where you just got back from, because I'm getting ready to have gay days at Disney. Right. That's interesting. Let's see. I'm going to bring Alina onto the line. Alina Oswald, welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Uh, thanks for having me, and I do apologize for you know a few minutes ago, but uh, my internet uh, it's um, giving me problems today. <laughs> my internet connection is giving me problems today. So I um, I called in. I didn't know what was going on because I couldn't get to. <laughs> to the Podium website. So um, yes, that that was that. Thanks for thanks very much for having me and uh, for all the nice words. And uh, um, yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, I, don't, uh, I I have my my two books are you know Journeys Through Darkness, as you said, and uh, the photography book that was actually I decided to do it. And I spur of the moments after I had my show and I thought, hey, why don't I just you know, make a collection of the pictures from the show. And um, I have fun, in a way, so to speak, you know. I was very interesting working on, on both books. Mm, you know, they're, they're quite different books, in a way. Um, it was a lot of work, especially Journey Through Darkness. I spent, like, almost three years working on it. Uh, but um, um, I... I you know, I, I really like doing it. I very much enjoy doing it, and I learned a lot of things while working on those books. Well, it's amazing. I mean, I like I told you, I'm very difficult to please when it comes to reading a book, and I couldn't put it down when I was on the plane because I was so intrigued by it. Like, I wanted to keep reading more and find out more about, you know, what each picture meant because each picture has a story, and you describe it in the book, and I think that's the best part about it is that mm -hmm. you can see – so, you know, the picture that's taken is there, and then what it was meant and why it was taken. Right, and I, I really I really appreciate it, I, you know. Um, and that, that was actually the message. I, I uh, met Kurt, actually, through one of his um, pictures, uh, and it was The Last Light. I'm, I found it online on a website called unfinishedworks.org. They were having a um, contest for artists, and uh, the same the topic, of course, was uh, HIV AIDS, <clears throat> and I'm very interested in it ever since 1986. Um, you know, I, I checked it out, and I saw the picture, The Last Light, which actually, it's, a, it's an older guy of uh, drawn face sitting on a chair by a, by a window, and he's looking out the window, and it's kind of disconnected from the world that we're in, in my opinion. 
uh, look into a world that is going to come, maybe only for him. And I thought at that time that that guy was the, was the artist. I thought he was a self-portrait. So I checked out, and that's how I discovered Kurt's site. And um, that was you know, some, a month later. My editor from ANU, um, which is a wonderful editor, I learned a lot from him, he asked me if I have any any idea on an article for their gallery, on the, on the gallery department, uh, you know, section of the magazine. They they feature artists that do work related to HIV AIDS, and then you know, light came on, and I was like, oh yes, I have to go to this picture again, and I went to you know Kurt's website, and I sent him an email, and I prayed and waited for his response, and maybe he'll say yes. <laughs> and actually, mm-hmm. he did. And I wrote an article on him. Uh, it's called uh, what "The Warrior Within," uh, which was published in uh, News, in, I think, in November 2005. And then um, I just, uh, you know, kind of kept in touch with him. And I went in in 2006 in April. Um, another best-selling author, actually, that I interviewed, Joe Rothschild. Um, he had a party in West Hollywood celebrating 20 years of living with AIDS and, you know, defeating, you know, uh, you know, winning the uh, against the virus. And uh, you know, I thought, well, California is kind of far away. You know, it's like way on the other side. But I went, and then I told Kurt, I said, hey, I'm going to be in California. So I met Kurt and his partner, Terry, and they are great guys, both of them. And uh, then we were talking, and I thought, well, you know, we're talking about it, and we decided that a longer piece would be a good idea. And right. that's how Journey Through Darkness started. Came about. Now, how did... Um I know Deb has some questions to ask you, but I want to ask you, how did you get involved with working, you know, writing about AIDS and HIV? I mean, was it something that, you know, you had friends that were infected by it, or how did you fall into mm, that? Well, I blame it on mom, you know, everything. <laughs> uh, actually, um, it was in um, 86 when I, I went to this conference. I, I'm from Europe, as you can tell from the accent. Um, and uh, my folks are both doctors, and mom uh, is working, was working, and now she's retired in um, infectious diseases. And there was this, uh, she, she, was, she went to training, and it was spring break, and she said, you know, why don't you just come and spend some days with me? I'll show you, you know, the medical university, another school. She was hoping that I would go to medical school, which never happened. Uh, so she took, <laughs> you to, she, she took you to an infectious disease conference, like? Right, it was a conference on AIDS. Um, AIDS at the time, and you know, I lived, I used to live in Romania at a time when it was, you know, we were under the dictatorship at a time. You couldn't say the A word, you know, you couldn't say the G word, you couldn't say a lot of words. And these words like AIDS, they were like, you know, used only in confined, you know, professional, like for medical, you know, medical community, right, because they had to talk about it. So it was at the time it was very it was a very hot subject in Europe because Rod Hudson Hudson just died well he died in eighty five in August but you know it was very new subject and doctors and university professors from other countries were going to France to 
you know, get, you know, updates on the subject. So that, that was the conference about, you know, what was going on. And I remember I was, I was very, I thought it was very interesting. And I found it interesting that a virus that at the time nobody knew how it looked like, so to say, you know, um, it, it could, you know, cause so much damage. And I remember uh, reading the uh, French magazines, and they had its before and after AIDS diagnosis uh, um, picture of Rock, uh, Rock Hudson. And it was like a, you know, a night and day kind of difference. They were shocking. So that was that. Then I thought, okay, I still went to, to electronics. I didn't go to medical school. <laughs> and years later when I got here, um, I discovered a new magazine. And I thought, you know, the whole, the whole age experience, my whole age experience came back to me, you know. Right. It's coming back to me now. And I thought, <laughs> man, you know, I, it'd be interesting to write about that. And, uh, and, you know, I started to write for them, you know, after a few rejections, you know, writers then reject and they go hand in hand. So then I started to write, you know, for the magazines, and um, I'm very passionate about the subject. Right. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a topic that should be passionate about. I just, I like the fact that, you know, you're somebody who's not infected, and you you still go out there and 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 write about the topic that people are so afraid to even speak the word. Right, and I think you know, in, in, for writers, <clears throat> um, a lot of times we are told to write about what we know. If you want to write about what I know, I I don't know. I think in a few articles I'll be done. <laughs> you know, at, at, especially <laughs> at the beginning. You know, <laughs> at the beginning when you start writing, you know, what do you know? <laughs> you know. So I'd say, and I've always said that, write about something that you feel re- strongly about or something that you're interested in, or do research and you may find something that you're, in, or, you know, you know, that you're interested in. So don't just write something more that you know, because that, that's, that's, you know, only very smart people <laughs> whatever know, know a lot to, you know, to, to write so much about it. So, uh, um, and I, I also think that if we just, if we just fight for causes, you know, interested in subjects that are, that directly, um, you know, influence or affect our lives, uh, then where would we be? You know, you know, we have to help each other and, of course, we have to be interested in what we're doing, you know, because we do a better job, you know. <laughs> but um, just think about it. If people with, with cancer would... Uh, if only people with cancer would help other people with cancer, or you know, that, where, where would they go? Uh, right. I think I think we need to, you know, expand and yeah, find out definitely. what they learn. We find out what you, you know, what interesting is out there. So. Well, I think people would be very interested how you first got interested in HIV and AIDS, because <laughs> um, I know the story. I happened to be at the first uh, convention conference that you went to in Paris, um, but why don't you tell our listeners how you first became involved? Oh, involved in writing about AIDS? Uh, well, well, actually, your first experience with HIV and AIDS. 
Well, that that was it. Yeah, she just told and us the, that. And then you got into, um, because your mother's an infectious disease doctor, right? Right, right. And so why, why I, I understand that it, it's become a major issue for you, what what do you think the difference is between when you first got started and now? Well, um, you know, when you first start get started in something, you, you don't really know. You know that you are interested in it, and or you know, in my case, you know, the whole issue of, of AIDS brought back you know memories that I went with mom to to that conference, and that that itself was a connection right there. Um, and the whole, all the events that followed that um, conference, because uh, I have different, different, there are different things going on. The conference was in April '86. Joel Rothschild, I, I learned later, later on that Joel Rothschild, which was one of my first um, uh, interviewees, and he's a very great friend and a wonderful, wonderful person and an AIDS activist. Uh, was diagnosed on April 22nd, uh, 1986, and on April 26th, 1986, uh, Chernobyl happened, and it affected us in you know, Eastern Europe very much in a very bad way. And I'm thinking, sometimes I think of AIDS as some sort of Chernobyl. You know, it just comes out of nowhere, and it just shocks you. And you know the 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 effects are are long you know length of long length because you, know, you get you know infected then you don't know in you know tens of years down the road or not really tens but you know you you actually uh, get AIDS well not if you have the test but at the at the beginning they didn't have the test. You know, people didn't really know exactly when they they got infected, and all that. So we get maybe we'll get into this later. People today, I think, a lot of them they don't know when or if they get infected. But that, that's another story. So uh, you know, there there are you know there are, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, pieces to this my to my interest in in, in AIDS. And then while working, while while covering AIDS, I I got to know a lot of wonderful people, and uh, I got you know they they changed my my life in a lot of good ways, you know my life in general and my writing, but definitely my life too. So. Does, it your, does it answer your Does it answer your your question? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, because um, um, that was kind of what I was trying to ask right off the top of my head, because I know, because I tested positive after my partner died at the end of 81, I found out on Valentine's Day in 82, and I think one of the most rewarding things for me in the past 28 years is all the other people I have met and the stories I've heard, so I knew you had had similar experiences. Right, yeah, you, you hear a lot of stories, and, you know, when you hear the stories of survival, be that, you know, with AIDS or cancer or, or, or disabilities or any kind of other, you know, diseases or things, uh, you, it makes you think, you know, if this guy 
did it? Why can't I? And it, it, it pushes you as a as a person to 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 get better and to become more uh, to become more inspired, to become you know enlightened, to uh, to to learn from their stories and to 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 pick you know to choose the the, the good stuff and the bad stuff, but to really be inspired by their stories because. All the stories that I've covered, and I know I haven't covered, but there's very few compared with other people. Uh, um, you know, they are all stories of, uh, you know, inspiration of surviving against all odds. Um, so it's impossible not to learn something from them, if you want to. Well, you definitely learn something, I think, from them. Now, where can actually people go and purchase your book at? Because I, ha- I put uh, a link up to your... Um, to the media beast right they can purchase uh, your books right there right yeah that there there is a link there and uh i published it through blurb uh which is a printing uh you know company in san francisco actually and the reason i chose to uh to publish through blurb um okay first because i think a good job and you know but um you know thinking Publish, you know, not going to the traditional presses. Um, I talked to a few um, agents from, you know, that I met at conference, writers' conferences, and um, they all had words of praise for my work, but they all didn't want to touch it because of the subjects that are in the book. So it's not a, it's not a mainstream kind of topic. So, um, you know. But the thing is, is it needs to be mainstream. Because if it's uh, not a mainstream thing, I mean, like, they, that's the problem is, is that they're not putting it mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see a movie, like, say, on TV, you know what I mean? Like, a show on TV, like Brothers or Sisters, and I want to see somebody who, you know, is infected with HIV on TV. I want to see that. You know what I mean? And that's why when they do these reality shows and they cast people like Angina and Jack, like, it gives a lot of people hope because that's something that, it's pushing it into the mainstream, and I think that's one of the problems we have is that we can't seem to get it in the mainstream long enough to where people are going to be interested in learning about it and how to prevent themselves from getting it. Exactly. I, I, I completely agree with it, and, and I realize that my, bar, my book is not really sugar-coated, you know, the, the subject, that everything I write about, but I, I you know, I always write, um, I don't really sugarcoat anything. Uh, in my article writing, in my book writing, in anything, because reality is reality, and that's what actually we we live in. We may live in bubbles, some of us, but that you know, reality is not sugar-coated. And when it boils down to it, you know, that's the way it is. We we'll, we live in a in a time of AIDS, wanted or not. And if we if we keep trying to you know, if we keep you know, putting it away, aside, it's like, it's not going to happen to me. Well, how do you know exactly for sure that it's not going to happen? You don't know. Uh, you know right, I so. thought that, too. I thought it wasn't <laughs> going to happen to me. Yeah, but, Dad, yeah. how about you? Um, well, we, we didn't even know anything was out there when I right. found out. Um, but but I think the biggest problem is because it's not in the mainstream. Since 2000, we've gone from 40,000 new infections in the U.S. a year 
to 60,000. And what's even worse is the number of those that are late-stage diagnosis, meaning that they have one or more opportunist infections and T-cells less, less than 50. And if more people were getting tested, we shouldn't be having the number of deaths we're continuing to have. Right, and if, because people go, you know, don't go to get tested, and when they get tested, um, they are not only HIV positive, they have AIDS. And I think as with any disease, it's better to catch it early. <laughs> or, yeah, so a, a lot of, a lot of, from my research and that I did for my writing, a lot of young individuals and a lot of old individuals get infected today at a high rate because the young ones, a lot of them think that they are invincible maybe, and the old ones, I think, is because a lot of them, they, they, you know, they try to find new partners uh, uh, and I'm talking straight and gay. I'm, I'm talking in general here. And you know, women think that you know I can't get pregnant anymore. I, I you know, I don't have to worry about anything. And uh, you know, they don't use protection, and then that's what happens. Well, I, I definitely agree with you because I work with AARP and Divided We Fail, and I'm I'm just amazed at the number of senior citizens that are starting to test HIV positive. Um, the other thing that, that greatly distresses me is the number of young people, and especially young gay men, that are now testing positive. And, and of course, it's, you know, a lot of young people, they, they, they try to use uh, drugs, maybe first just to use them, and then, you know, they, they cannot think right at for you know while under the influence of drugs and you know they they engage in you know this dangerous you know unprotected sex and I think it's normal. Everybody thinks it's not going to happen to me. Um, AIDS, uh, you know, heart attack. I don't know what kind of cancers. You know, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I think it's normal to 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 defend ourselves. It's kind of you know, to protect ourselves from all these bad things that are around us. And, but the reality is it can happen. And the more we know, the better we can protect ourselves from that. Absolutely. That, uh, you know, while, um, for people who may be listening to this in the archive, I just want to put your, the website to the, the Media Obesity Store out there so people can go and get your book because they may not be viewing the chat. And that's at www.mediabistro.com backslash Alina Oswald, which is A-L-I-N-A-O-S-W-A-L-D. You know, one of the things um, I wanted to bring up since you were on, a lot of uh, news things have come up in um, the news about HIV and AIDS, and I kind of wanted to bounce it off both of you since you're here. Um, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if you read the article about the branding that they want to do. Um, I think it's in, um, what's the name of the country? Swaziland or something? Uh, Zap, so have you heard of that? Re repeat that, please. It was that they want to brand people with HIV on the buttocks. No, oh. I hadn't read that. There, there was some idiots that tried to come up with that in the 80s. We even had a senator 
that wanted to gather up all the HIV people and put them somewhere. Um, so I, 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 that's horrible. That is horrible. I'm, and, I'm trying and talking, to find the exact one. But talking, talking branding, branding. This is this is really a horrible thing. And and you know, we're talking today, and I think throughout the eight days and years, we had we were talking about this. Uh, the, the face of AIDS. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Without, that, I think that's a branding in itself by the disease. Uh, it, you know, is the disfiguration I would say of of a person who who, who has AIDS, uh, and also by the uh, the side effects of medications that uh, an AIDS patient has to take to stay alive. And at right. one point, a lot of at one point, I, I I I heard and I talked to people that they were just going on drug holidays. You know, they were stopping the treatment because they wanted to get, uh, you know, their normal selves again. And if that's not branding by the disease itself, I don't know what is. And just the thought to actually, you know, mark people. <laughs> I have any. This is. Let me uh, read a little bit about. Let me read a little bit about this to you. And the guy Timothy Mayne, I guess his name is, has suggested making tests for every person who is HIV positive in Southern Africa state, and and then forcing those who are infected to be permanently marked with a warning logo. He claimed that the scheme would help stop the spread of the killer disease by reducing sexual activity between positive people and uninfected partners. So he like literally wants to brand them like a cow. Oh Lord, have yeah. mercy. Um, uh, well, I think well, I read about one, it. Yeah. You, you have the inherent problem of how are they going to test every person in Africa for HIV um, if you only tattooed the ones or branded the ones that they already know? What about all the ones that don't know? And it's it's just inhumane to, for me to even contemplate somebody doing this we we just sent a fsu student has joined our ambassadors of hope with dab the aids fair and she's in south africa for the summer working with children with hiv and aids so i'll be contacting her about this i can send you the link actually i can put the link in the chat room for people who are listening um it's actually in uh this part of africa called swaziland 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 I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm saying it wrong. Okay, that's uh, okay. And I'll, I'll check when I have my interview. Yeah, I'll put it in there. Um, I put it in the chat room so people can check that out, and I'll link it on Paz I am. Um, obviously, that's a little ridiculous for them to do that. Um, but one of the other things that I think, Alina, you may have even brought this up on Paz I am in your blog, um, Deb. I know you were, you know, around when. HIV and AIDS was first coming out, and how does it compare to how people reacted to AIDS then, to where, to how now people are reacting to the swine flu running around with masks all over their face? Oh yes, yes I, I remember that. Yes. Um, well, um, you know, just think about, you know, who was. I was thinking the other day. And that's a great question. I think. Thanks for asking. You know, the first, you know, they, they did a show, they had a show, you know, actually CNN, I think it was, and they were looking for the patient zero, you know, the swine flu patient zero. 
and he was a little kid in some farm, which is, you know, who actually got over the disease, and he was fine, and he was cute and everything, and it was fine with that. And think about patient zero when it comes to AIDS, and, you know, in America. Uh, it was a, you know, French-Canadian uh, flight attendant who was gay. Yeah. Yeah. He so, slept with half the people I knew in San Francisco. And, Say that again? He slept with half the people I knew in San Francisco over a five-year period. That's why San Fran was so hard hit to begin with. Right. And, and, and then, you know, you, you just start to, you know, I was thinking to write an, an article, actually, about, you know, comparing the two. You know, AIDS started, or they thought it started in, in, in the gay community, you know, in the... Um, drug users community, and they, they first they thought it will never, you know, happen. It will never go spread to, to the rest of the population. Um, you know, swine flu actually uh, started in the, you know, in, in in the mainstream community, so to speak. So, and on top of it, the first patient was a kid. Uh, so, of course, the media, it's all over the swine flu. Now, I'm not here to say that swine flu, you know, that it's not important to, to, to look at swine flu, learn everything about it, and try to, you know, not to get infected. Of course it is. But just imagine if we didn't have these four years, five years, you know, 81 to 85, right, of, of, of total, complete silence when it, you know, when it comes to AIDS. And people knew, you know, from the very beginning about the disease or were informed or they had material to, to read or to get informed, you know, about HIV and AIDS. Maybe we, you know, we wouldn't have the, the numbers that we have today. Uh, it, it took, you know, it took one celebrity death to bring AIDS to, to, to everybody's you know, door. Oh, definitely. Until until Rot died, the only people talking about it were gays and lesbians and a few doctors. In fact, six months before President Reagan finally said the word HIV, um, a bunch of us had chained ourselves to the gate at the White House. And luckily, I had already told my parents and my close friends years ago because somehow we ended up on Newsweek magazine chained to the White House gate with the big words under it, HIV activists. Yeah, and that, that, that was my national coming out party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, you know, if, if we treat, if the, the more we, we know about a disease and the, the sooner we start learning about a disease, you know, the better we can um, the, the healthier we can be, and the, the more we can prevent it, and you know, uh, we can stay away from it. <laughs> uh, but because it was AIDS, then you know, it took a while. You know, the, the okay. Ryan White. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say because I, I read online somewhere, and I actually posted it on my status on Facebook, is that some people get the swine flu and everybody's buying masks, but millions of people get HIV and people still aren't wearing condoms. <laughs> so it's just like, what's going on with the world today? And just, yeah, I exactly. Know. I read that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. Well, Robert, I, th I think one of the big problems when HIV started, 
um, some political officials and some people I like to refer to as religious um, decided to demonize HIV because people have to remember this is right after the the start of the GLBT uh, movement. Uh, we had Stonewall in '69. We had the death of Harvey, uh, the the shooting of Harvey Milk just a couple of years before the start of HIV. Um, so our our opponents took this disease and demonized it. I think that's had a lot to do over the years with why we haven't had the prevention money we need, why we haven't had the treatment money we need, uh, because it's still there's still a huge stigma attached to it all these years later, even though it's now throughout all the communities. Right, it is stigma, and um, you know all these medications that we have like 20 or so now available. Um, you know, they they turn AIDS from a you know death sentence to a manageable disease. It's it's always what I'm trying to say. It's always a duality. I was talking to Kurt too about it, a duality of existence and the duality of of AIDS itself. You know, it, AIDS is manageable. Uh, we have the medications. We may have a cure soon because I, I I wrote some articles on that. I did some research. Uh, well, but you know. Having having the medications and AIDS being manageable, I don't think it's an excuse for the AIDS complacency that we have right now. And I think we do have it. We, we, we've had it for a while. Uh, I've seen it ever since Bush took office in 2000. <laughs> and, that, and that's just being real because I'm like you. I shoot from the hip. Um, our infection rates have gone up 50% during the eight years he was in office. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, and I was talking to a lot of people about this uh, AIDS complacency or uh, AIDS being manageable. I, I, it's a good thing, but on the other hand, it's a bad thing because it's out of mind, out of sight, and we're trying to, to put it, you know, on... Not to think of it as much as we should, and I don't think we ever thought of AIDS as much as we should have. Right, well, well kind of why we, right, and that's why we do like you know, Pazim Radio <clears throat> and things like that to bring it out more to people and, and have them start talking about it. Because even though it's manageable, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to contract the disease itself. Right, right. Well, and and even if you do contract it, we have problems in our country with waiting lists for the AIDS Drug Assistance Program. Um, right now we have three states, Montana, Indiana, and Nebraska, who all have waiting lists. And Tennessee just put out something in the last week saying they'll probably have one and on their IACP program by the end of the year. Then we'll have four states with waiting lists. And as someone that held thousands of people before we had the new medications in 96, to me it's criminal that our elected officials are allowing people to die without access to medications. Yeah, I think that should be equal. You're talking after A96 or before? 
Um, no, actually, we have waiting lists now. We have had constant waiting lists in the United States since 2003. Um, had a couple people die on the waiting list in Kentucky in 2003. Uh, we had almost 600 people in South Carolina on the waiting list in 2006, and four of them died on the waiting list. Uh, currently, like I said, there's three states, and I think 85 people are on the list now. Wow. wow. That, well, and talking about AIDS, uh, AIDS and uh, death, you know, again, I'm try- not trying to get back to this, but, you know, manageable disease, you don't die from it anymore. And then I, I talk to people, you know, that I meet at AIDS walk, for example, you know, and uh, they tell me, you know, their partner or their friend or whatever uh, died like last year or the year before or this year. And I think people don't realize that AIDS still kills. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not that we don't have death anymore of AIDS, from you know from AIDS. So I think when a lot of people that don't take it seriously should take it just a tad more serious than the whole the whole disease. Right, and and by you doing what you do, you know that offers that's like the first step there. You know, by having somebody who isn't infected go out and start talking about it and writing about it and becoming interested because it usually takes for someone to be interested in the subject for them to either lose somebody of the disease or personally know somebody of the disease. Right, and thanks who so much for, yeah, for, for allowing me to, to do this through this, uh, through this uh, show um, because, you know, if, uh, if you, the, the more people get together and talk about something than maybe the others, realizes that it's something that they talk about it may be interesting or it may be important. <laughs> and it's it's really a life and death situation really if you think about it. Uh so but um you know it it's it's writing about it and getting involved in all these you know events and getting to know people it, it the whole thing really opened a lot of doors to uh my writing career and to you know really to my life the way the way i look at life now and the way i maybe make decisions in in my life and and uh you know like to go back to the book i started to uh, you know to write the book just asking kurt weston to to talk to tell me about his pictures because at the time i didn't know you know when you're in the, in the initial phases of writing a book you have to structure it and I, I had take some time to figure out how to structure the book and then I realized that you know just using his pictures and the, to use the names of his pic the title of his pictures as titles for my chapters that would be a good idea but of course he had a lot of pictures and a lot of pictures that I liked <laughs> and then I started to pick and choose you know what 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 uh what to, and my, my favorite one is actually it's um, the Dark Angel, which is on chapter four, I think. It's uh, the guy uh, with a stake, and the, the, at the end of the stake, it's it's a white cat that's looking back at him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm and, looking at it now. <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, um, at, at the end, <clears throat> I, I I told her that this is my favorite picture, so she sent me this huge. <laughs> Huge printout with a very nice dedication. <laughs> so I have it now, made it and framed, you know, in in my apartment. So that that, that was very nice. 
and also talking <clears throat> covering HIV/AIDS, I got to to cover you know to to talk to other artists to to cover more <clears throat> on the um, the LGBT community in in general to cover things like AIDS and IMS, for example. You mm -hmm. know, because we have the ban right now. I don't think they were trying to to uh, not to have it anymore. But I, you know, last time I went and I had some um, interviews with some people, uh, and uh, there were there was a UN conference. I forgot exactly which one. And you know, people from South Africa, for example, or other countries who were infected, they had problems. They 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 had to go through a lot of red tape to to be allowed in the country to to attend the conference to which they had been invited. <laughs> so that's a, you know, AIDS is not only you know the disease and the medical aspect of it. The, the, the uh, AIDS you know touches a person's life in in all aspects. You know, from social, economic, uh, emotional, you know, emotional, medical. It's not just I'm healthy or I'm not healthy. It's right. everything. And you know, at the in the early years, and you know, you know, people, and maybe even now, uh, you know, people who were infected, they they could, you know, they they were losing their families. They were some of them. They were losing their loved ones. They were kind of put in the corner, um, they were kicked out of the society, you know, layer by layer by layer until... Oh, yeah. Right, you know, if, if you... And I, I watched Philadelphia, the movie, like, I think I watched that thing, I don't know how many times. And, okay. you know, Tom Hanks said, you know, remember the scene in the in the library? Yes. You know, when he's reading and said until the actual physical death. You know, those layers of life are, you know, they used to be maybe taken away from the patients until they were actually the last layer, which was the actual physical existence, was taken away from them too. And I think that's another major difference from the start of this disease to now is back when it was mainly a terminal illness, almost everybody I knew that was infected and most of our friends were activists. Um, but now that we have medicines that keep us alive and more than half of the community has tested positive since the new medications, there's not the same response, there's not the same passion, there's definitely not the same number of activists that we had 10 or 20 years ago. Unfortunately, um, most of them have, have the long-term survivors have passed away that were my friends. In fact, we don't have one person left from the signing of the member principles. Well, maybe at the beginning there were more. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, the activists now are, you know, they are, should I say, I shouldn't say milder, but they are maybe, you know, when ACT UP happened and when they went out uh, on Wall Street to demonstrate for their lives, you know, to get their medications, um, they were really demonstrating for their lives. 
and you are right. Now we have the medications. It's not that I'm dying in a few weeks, you know, if I have this disease or if in a few months. It's not that, you know, I know more about the disease now that I knew in 80, you know, in the early 80s. So... Yeah, because yeah, in the early 80s, before we even had AZT in the country, um, there were, and I'm not going to say it's me just in case anybody from the State Department happens to be listening to this, but several activists used to make regular trips to Mexico and smuggle back HIV drugs. We would literally tape them in plastic, or they would tape them in plastic bags on the underside of the car, hide them where the spare tire was supposed to be, and just pray that you didn't get searched when you went through customs. Wow. Wow. That's a shame that that medications are cheaper in different countries and and easier to get, and it's just absurd. Yeah, until 86. Until 86? Yeah. One of the comments in the the chat room says is that now a lot of the activism is all about fundraising, which to me is really, really true because a lot of it has to do with money and it's real political now. I agree with you. You know, and people who who walk into the field trying to do something good, you know, um, can be knocked down by a bigger company because they're not funded properly. Oh, trust me. (laughs) You know, like, it it is. The activists now, it seems to be it's more political and it's more about being the best and, and not about actually helping people and working together as a real community. Well, well, and it's not just activists, Robert. Um, it's it's also the ASOs. I mean, I recently right. read about an ASO in Wisconsin that Bob Bowers is dealing with who hasn't adapted their business model in multiple years, aren't willing to explain where their funding's going to. And we as a community need to start holding these organizations accountable. In fact, uh, Bob's starting an act up up in Wisconsin. That's great. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, if it's an immediate death sentence, death threat, then you you don't care that much about the, you know, the red tape. You just go and say how you feel it and you get it done because otherwise you're going to die. I think now, you know, we, we're not going to die so fast. You know, so you know, so it's not immediate threat, and so this red tape and the the way we say, the way we package it, the way we do everything when it comes to fundraising or to you know funds for aid or that kind of stuff, then we have time to think about it, and we have time to, you know, I think it's you know we have to use this time to actually get to it and do it, and you know using in the, the rather than just dealing with the red tapes and how to package it and how to say it so you won't hurt feelings or um you won't you know, I think that's that's part of it too and um I I was wondering sometimes, you know you know, why or if it's important to look back at the early days of AIDS and if you know, today's young generation have, you know, do they have anything to learn 
from the say the early 80s and stuff like this. And, and I think I think it's important with any event of this um, kind, like ages, not to forget the beginning, the you know the the early years, because that's how you know if we look back, that we can better understand it, and we can actually you know do something to fight the pandemic, to hopefully find a cure. I mean. This base, you know, it looks like at least a cure for it. It's closer than we thought maybe a few years ago. You know, we have the doctor in, in Texas who is using some natural uh, protein um, that the body makes in, uh, in patients with lupus um, right. uh, that has the you know, it can it can block the HIV from getting connected to the um, T cell, and it's also you know the, everybody wrote about that. The American AIDS patients with leukemia at the German hospital who received um, you no know, marrow um, the transplant, and then it looked like you know he didn't have AIDS either, and after the transplant. After their bone marrow transplant, so I know that these are you know two cases, but it looks that we are getting closer, and now who knows? Well, I, I have to agree with you, and it's because of people with HIV participating in clinical trial studies that not only have we made these strides in HIV care, but in cancer and other diseases. Um, right. Uh, what what you were referring to, there's two entry portals on each T cell, and their nicknames are the R5 and the Y8. And the first um, fusion inhibitor that we have covers the R5. They're currently doing research trying to form a medication to block the Y8 entry. And their theory is once they're able to do that, HIV shouldn't be able to get in any new cells and would eventually die off. Exactly. And, yeah, and from what I understood, HIV connects um, mainly through R5. If it connects, if it connects to the other uh, link, it's much more, uh, the disease can be much more serious. Or... Right, because that, that's one of the reasons I've been here 28 years is because of my European heritage. I have the R5 factor. Um, I found out by participating in clinical trial studies at the National Institute of Health in Bethesda. Right, um, right. So it finally because gave the, me an, an answer so I wouldn't have survivor guilt all the time. Right. It was like, okay, have, I'm here because of nothing I did. I'm just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and because you believe that you will be here today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, but the, the R5 link, it's, it's, uh, it's um, found mainly, I mean, in, uh, in Europeans. It, uh, it, uh, I think it's 1% or 2% of the Africans who have it. Or right. A, um, a very I'm, Ita- I'm Italian and Greek. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really think that there are two aspects of, of uh, surviving AIDS, and uh, one is the medical part of it, you know, you have to, you know, go through the treatment, listen to the doctor, talk to the doctor, you know, take your meds. But another one, the other part of it, I think, it's really um, 
believing, and I'm not saying that oh, if I believe that I'm going to get better, I'm going to get better, but um, having the faith, so to speak, that, that you know, you will get better and then, you know, you'll survive. And a lot of people actually, you know, remember those people that, you know, they, they leave, like, you know, grandparents, old grandparents and stuff, I mean, they leave just to see, they, they survive just to see their, I don't know, grandkids graduate or that kind of stuff. Maybe that's not that's not a good analogy, but maybe you know the the, the medical part and then the, the belief part will get a lot of patients to 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 survive un, until there will be a cure, and then, then there's a cure, there's a, a vaccine, and hopefully we'll you know we'll defeat we'll uh, we'll win the fight against AIDS once and for all. I don't know well, if in you know, in the future decades or not, but maybe it's coming closer than we think. Well, I, I agree with you. I think a positive attitude is, is <laughs> one of the most important things besides the medications and following your doctor's orders that a person with HIV can do. That's why I was so excited when I came across Robert's site because um, it was something I was wanting to do with our website, but I'm already doing so much that... I was so relieved when I saw Robert. So I was like, "Oh, okay, let me join here and contact him." <laughs> right. Be- because because it gives people well, it gives people a safe environment that they can reach out, and especially for those people that aren't in urban areas, so that they can talk to other people that also have HIV. Right, and it's a, it's a very great thing to do to go out there and you know say, "I am positive," and you know. I'm open to, you know, to, to work with other people who are interested in this. And really, it's a very brave thing. Not too many things are doing this. So, and um, one more other thing I would like to say before before our time is out, over. Um, I just uh, wanted to, to thank everybody who helped me, um, you know, write, not edit the book, uh, my editor Ira White. He, he's an artist in, himself, and he he was extraordinary. Um, you know, reading the book so many times, I think he knows it by heart by now. Um, also, um, my 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 friend writers, my friend writers uh, who gave me advice, uh, T.J. Banks and Patricia Spork, and my family for supporting me. And I talk to my folks a lot about the medical, you know, technical medical terms and all that. I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I like, I can't. <laughs> and, uh, and, and really, everybody that worked with me and that I worked with throughout the years, the editors and publishers, and, and, uh, and Posium. At, uh, we met through Twitter, I think. Yes, we did. We met through Twitter. <laughs> I am really honored that you asked me to do this interview. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for calling, Alina. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you both for, for you know, the interview. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk later. Have a uh, great day. Th- thank you. It has been an honor speaking with you. And thank just you. to remind everybody that um, you can find Alina's book. Um, you can actually probably Google them right now. And one is called Background, which is a photography book. And then the one that is uh, the biography of the photographer, Kurt Weston, is called Journeys Through the Darkness. I will put that link up inside the chat room. Um, you can also find Alina on posim.com. And you can also find me and Dab there as well. Dab, you want to shoot out your web address real quick? 
Yes, it's www.dabtheaidsbearproject.com. And you can check our front page graphics and the section where in the world is Dab the AIDS Bear. We have daily pictures coming in from our ambassadors of hope, from AIDS Walk, AIDS Cycles, Pride events around the world. There you go. Have a great day, everyone. We're about to end. (laughs) 